0: Hello and welcome to the Sex Within Marriage Podcast. My name is JD and I blog over at UncoveringIntimacy.com and today we're going to talk about whether or not it's okay for Christians to have sexual fantasy. This topic comes up fairly frequently in questions from readers and listeners and so I thought that we'd take an opportunity to deal with sexual fantasies, fantasizing about immoral behaviors and whether or not it's okay to fantasize about someone else. And this is all based on a question I received back in January that I honestly forgot to answer. Uh, I was going to include it in the typical monthly roundup, then I decided to make it its own post and podcast episode and probably forgot to do so. Uh, Hoping that late is better than never. Uh, Here we go. So the question is, my wife and I have had a reasonably active sex life for most of our relationship. There have been ups and downs, of course, but for the most part, we have really no complaints that way. One part of that sex life that has been around since very early on is fantasy. We both, me somewhat more than her, enjoy and get very aroused by telling each other different fantasies. The ones that are most effective and fun are ones that involve other people, and even more same-sex activity. She gets extremely aroused and has very intense orgasms when I tell her about me having sex with another man, vice versa, when she's telling me about having sex with another woman. Neither of these has ever actually happened is strictly fantasy and neither of us has actually had a desire to fulfill these fantasies but they continue to be a part of our sex life i don't feel guilt or shame about all of this as i feel it's only in the fantasy realm she is all over the map sometimes she feels intense guilt and shame sometimes she is okay with it sometimes she tries hard not to not go there and other times she asks me to take her there it's quite confusing for both of us I just want to get some feedback and perspective on this in an open Christian forum. I'm certain that we are not the only couple that has this quote-unquote problem, if you would call it that. Thanks. So let's talk about sexual fantasies. What's appropriate for Christians and what's not? So let's start with, are sexual fantasies okay? I think most people have had a sexual fantasy at one point or another, and they sort of come in two, uh, two types. The first is a random thought that pops into your head, and the second is a scenario that you cultivate and put energy into. Now, random thoughts can happen at any time. These are temptations, ideas that just flirt, flit in and out. Uh, some we can control, some we can't. They're not all bad, and they're certainly not all good. Then there are those thoughts that we focus on, we grow, we feed that sexual fantasy, we build the scenario, we enjoy the daydream, you know, the whole eroticism of it. Um, these are no longer temptations, fleeting thoughts, but now they're, they are an action that we have committed, if only in our mind. But it's a choice to invest energy into the thought. And sometimes we turn those first type, the random thoughts, into a, cultiv- a cultivated scenario, the second type, and so they jump from one to another. Uh, other times, that uh, we deliberately create them right from the start. So, when is this okay, and when is it not okay? Uh, first, we have to start with uh, saying temptations are not sin. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are. And these fleeting fantasies that pop into your head without any intent are just temptations. We can let them pass or choose to entertain them. Uh, If they're a thought that you don't want, then don't give it any attention. Our brains tend to focus on what we pay attention to. So if you beat yourself up about the temptations, then your brain will tend to think that those thoughts are pretty important and are more likely to bring them up again. But if you simply acknowledge them as a stray thought and let them go, they're less likely to come up. That's not to say all fleeting sexual fantasies are sinful, thoughts of sex with your spouse aren't necessarily problematic, and entertaining them can actually be beneficial fantasizing about your spouse whether it's one of those quick thoughts or one you latch onto and grow into a bit of a daydream yeah can be helpful for your marriage it can stoke your desire it can make you look forward to future encounters in your marriage you know fantasy fantasizing can be used to plan out a future session so that you don't have to think too much about it in the moment it can also be used to test out ideas in your head that you might be uncomfortable with but also interested in trying in your sexual relationship and one of our supporters brought up this verse. Uh, Philippians 4 verse 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. So this encourages us to fill our minds with good things, which includes sex with our spouse, rather than impure things, which we'll get to in a second. Now, that said, fantasizing about your spouse can be dangerous. Uh, I think there are times when it's dangerous and counterproductive to do so. And that's when you're not really fantasizing about your spouse. You're just pretending you are. Let's say you see another person and something about their body turns you on. So you fantasize about their body, but with your spouse's head on it. Or if your spouse had their body. Now, to me, you're just trying to rationalize having a mental affair. Now, that might be an extreme case, but... What if you fantasize about your spouse, but maybe at a lower weight, or a higher muscle mass, or a different height, or a larger bust, or whatever? Is that really any different? And what if it's not just physical characteristics? What if you are imagining them doing and saying things that are completely out of character for them, things that you know they'll never do? Are you really fantasizing about your spouse anymore? To me, that's a line I feel shouldn't be crossed you're no longer fantasizing about your spouse, but rather a fictitious character you've created and just put their name and face on it. So then let's talk about is fantasizing about immoral things wrong. And here we get to the crux of the question embedded in this statement made by our anonymous reader. He said, I don't feel guilt or shame about any of this as I feel it's only in the fantasy realm. In other words, does what happens in my imagination really matter, or is that a safe place to explore sin? And Mark 7, verse 21 to 23 tells us, from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a man. So, that was jesus saying that and he didn't seem to think that this was a good idea he was pretty strict on the idea that what you think counts because ultimately sin isn't about behavior it's about character getting into heaven isn't about doing the right things but about being the type of person who would actually want to be there you can't work your way into heaven you need to have the character of someone who recognizes that they don't deserve to be there now Works will come out of a person with that sort of character, but it's not the works that themselves will save you. That's why two people can do the exact same thing with different intents and end up being treated differently by God. So then, if you commit adultery in your mind, doesn't that still count as sin? Um, In Matthew 5, verses 27 to 28, Jesus also says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, "You shall not commit adultery." But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus seemed to think so, and I haven't agree with him, and not just because he's God. Uh, he also said in Matthew five verse eleven that. It's not what goes into a mouth that deviles a man, but what comes out of his mouth that deviles a man, which makes sense because if our thoughts can be sinful, then of course anything that flows from them, be the words or deeds, must also be sinful. David as well linked the idea of thoughts and words together in his Psalms. Uh, In Psalm 19, verse 14, he said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Now, again, I don't think this is talking about when one is tempted and rejects the temptation, but rather when you entertain those thoughts, when you let the temptation create a foothold in your mind, which then changes your behaviors. And it's not just adultery. We see the same standard applied to murder. In 1 John 3 verse 15, uh, whoever hates a brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Likewise, I see this in the Old Testament in the Ten Commandments, when we see it with theft. Uh, theft is called out as a sin, but so is coveting, which is the thought of "I want this so badly, I would take it from him." You know, I think this shows pretty a pretty clear example that sin originates in the mind, not with the action. Entertaining thin, sinful thoughts is still a sin. So, where does that leave the, us with this original question? Uh, the one where he said. The ones are the most effective and fun are the ones that involve other people in even more same-sex activity. She gets extremely aroused and has very intense orgasms when I tell her about me having sex with another man, vice versa when she tells me about having sex with another woman. Regardless of your position on homosexuality, this is still entertaining the thought of adultery and then using that thought to get aroused. I can't say any way around it other than yes, I would consider this to be sinful because it shows an issue with a character, one that is okay with the idea of adultery rather than being revolted by it. And that's not a character trait one should cultivate if you have a life goal of being more Christ-like. Now, the other thing you mentioned is that your wife's views seem to change. So I wanted to address that. This reader said, I don't feel guilt or shame about this, as I feel it's only in the fantasy realm. She is all over the map. Sometimes she feels intense guilt and shame. Sometimes she is okay with it. Sometimes she tries hard not to go there. And other times she asked me to take her there. It's quite confusing for both of us. So there are a few things that could be happening here. If you take Uh, A spiritual approach to this, one could argue that God and Satan are fighting for control of your wife, and at different times, she's either letting one or the other win. If you take a psychological approach to it, one might say that she either has an internal conflict where she's not sure what she wants, and so her brain keeps switching back and forth, or it might be that she feels it's wrong but doesn't want to disappoint you, her husband, or she feels it's wrong but she enjoys how it turns her on. Alternatively, she could be experiencing cognitive dissonance, that is that is she's trying to hold on to two opposing thoughts at one time, part of her believing that it's not a problem because it's fantasy, but another part of her believing that it's sinful. People with cognitive dissonance often act seemingly erratically because their brain doesn't know how to behave given the two conflicting paradigms. Or you could take a physiological approach, which might suggest that her unaroused brain knows it's wrong and harmful, but when it gets aroused, then the part of a her brain that evaluates risk slash what's wrong slash what's discussed sir is muted due to lower blood flow so while aroused she defaults back to what feels good rather than what she has decided is wrong while quote-unquote sober from arousal of course this also happens when you have something that you're not morally opposed to you're just a bit grossed out by or uncomfortable with and then when you're turned on then you find it really arousing um I have a post about that called your definition of gross changes when you're aroused, if you want to check that out. So just because you have conflicting views doesn't necessarily mean the one that you experience while sober is the correct one. Whatever the reason, I think the simplest explanation is that there's a conflict and that's what's causing conflicting responses at different times. So, why are sinful thoughts problematic if it's only fantasy? You know, To sum up everything, I think fantasies of immoral acts are dangerous. For one, even if you don't follow through, it shows something in your character that needs to be worked on, not embraced. Also what we rationalize we tend to normalize, and then what we normalize often becomes our behaviors. Uh, I've gotten so many emails from husbands and wives saying, I never thought I'd do this, but I had a threesome and it destroyed my marriage. Generally, it's the same sort of progression every time. Uh, At first, it was just, quote unquote, harmless, sexy talk and fantasies. Sometimes it leads to porn of the same genre. Uh, Then one night they're having a really good time with another couple or maybe a single person or a friend of theirs goes through a messy divorce or their spouse dies and they figure they can comfort them. Uh, There are a few different paths it takes, but generally the groundwork was being laid for some time prior to the event. So then when the opportunity comes, rather than being repulsed and offended, they're curious and because they've been training their brains to react to situations like this for some time. And once they're aroused, suddenly their risk assessment ability just takes a nosedive. Uh, Some wake up the next morning realizing what they've done. Some have affairs with the other person for a while before they wake up or get caught. Um, Most of the time it ends the marriage one way or another. So don't take it lightly when I say you are playing with fire, this will harm you. And yes, it's going to be difficult to stop because old habits die hard and sex may not feel as arousing as it once did for a while. Sexual arousal is a potent drug. This is why we confine it to marriage. It's like keeping a fire in a fireplace. But what you're doing isn't keeping it confined anymore. It's going to burn you a bit to try to put it back in. And I wish I could protect you from that, but I can't. It's probably going to suck for a bit. But you will get over it, and it will get better. And I think that's everything I have to say on that. Now, if you have a comment or thoughts thought and you want to contribute to this discussion, you can have a head over to the site. Uh, I'll link to the show notes. Uh, you should be able to find them in your favorite podcast player. Um, if you have a question of your own, you can check out our Have a Question page. And if you'd like to be involved in these discussions as they come in and have your thoughts reflected in our responses, um, check out our Donate page because our supporters get first stab at all these questions and we kick them around for uh, some time before we actually post them. I have marches questions hopefully coming up soon. I'm not quite done writing my responses to them, um, but hopefully they'll be out in the next week or so. So stay tuned for that.